where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut, Colorado, the United States, or Europe, or anywhere in the world. In real life, and also in our biblical story this morning, we are at the 50th day after Easter, which is Pentecost. Pentecost was and still is a Jewish holiday. And for the Jews, it falls 50 days after Passover. For Christians, though, we celebrate it 50 days after Easter. We call this day the birthday of the church because in Acts, it's when the Holy Spirit descends on the followers of Jesus as they are gathered together in a room and it fills them. To understand this story, though, this morning, we are going to begin by going backwards a bit. The author of Acts, Luke, opens up what is uh, kind of a sequel to the gospel by catching us up on what has been going on since Easter. He talks about how Jesus has been teaching the disciples and how he ultimately leaves them again in what Christian tradition calls the ascension. And so we are going to hear that story first. In my first book, called The Book of Luke, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. That happened after he gave instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his death, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive again. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave this command. Do not leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men, <coughs> excuse me, two people dressed in white stood beside them. People of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? 
This same Jesus that has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way that you have seen him go into heaven. In that story on a little bit of a cliffhanger. And here's what happens next. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews gathered from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each one. Amazed and astonished, they asked each other, are not all of these who are speaking the Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medians, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. They were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? As we hold that question together this morning, what does this mean? I want to look at it through the lens of pilgrimage. A pilgrimage is different from a vacation or a trip because in a pilgrimage, you're intentionally looking for God in the journey. It's why pilgrimages often entail visits to holy sites. It's a powerful thing to set out intending to encounter God. It's not a vacation where you set out intending to relax and sometimes encounter God along the way. (laughs) Or a trip, which a friend recently defined for me as a vacation without the relaxing. It's a rejuvenating experience in a different way. And it's often something that is physically taxing What it does is it takes you out of life as you know it. In Celtic Christianity, there was a unique spin on pilgrimages. While some of these Celts did do a more standard pilgrimage the way we think of it, going off to a holy site, others would set off in the ocean in boats. And by boats, we of course mean something that's a lot more like our modern rowboat than a big modern ship. And when they set off, what was interesting is that they didn't have a destination in mind. They would go to see where they ended up, trusting that God would meet them in that place. And sometimes they went so far as to go without oars. They were quite literally going where the wind blows. 
And spring has been windy here on the high plains of Colorado, and so you can imagine with me what it is like to go where the wind blows. It's likely not a direct route, right? The wind uh, blows for reasons that science can tell us about it, but it's hard for us to see it when we're right there in the middle of one of those gusts. The followers of Jesus were also going where the wind blows. Just like those pilgrims who would come after them, their journey begins with this gust of wind that fills the house and it roars in their ears and they are off for a new adventure with only the Holy Spirit as their guide. For those of us in this room with carefully mapped life plans and clear benchmarks for success, it might strike you as a slightly terrifying idea. But I resonate with what Soren Kierkegaard said, it is good once in a while to find oneself in the hands of God and not always slinking around the familiar nooks and corners of a town where we always know the way out. Sometimes we have to mix things up a bit in order to grow more fully into who we are called to be. It's what makes life events like graduations or weddings or the birth of a new baby so beautiful and also so hard. It is a goodbye to something that came before it and there is no way around it, but it is a goodbye that it is said on the brink of a possibility. And while sometimes it seems like we uh, slow down in these benchmark transitions. We are also still day by day living a pilgrimage journey. We are, as the Celts would say, guests of the world. Guests of the world. <laughs> Some of you are probably good travelers. You set out and you navigate all of the ups and downs of traveling with grace. You are the kind of person who could leave on a boat and see where it ends up. Maybe in modern travel, you don't get cranky sleeping in an airport chair because your flight was delayed. And you love to try new foods, the kind with names you can't pronounce and ingredients you can't find in your local grocery store. You're unfazed when you can't speak the local language and you don't mind pantomiming and stumbling your way through a country. More people, though, I think struggle a bit with the unfamiliar. Recent statistics on tourism illustrate this point for me. While 95% of people say that they would like to travel more and expect to travel more, as pandemic travel restrictions are easing, the top international travel destinations for Americans are European English-speaking countries. What I think that signifies is that while we are very interested in seeing new things, we might struggle a little bit more with opening our minds to new people. We want to experience newness within a particular zone of comfort. And so places where the culture is substantially different from ours 
continue to challenge us. Those of us who fall in that category might have a special appreciation then for the gift of languages that settled on that Pentecost day. All of a sudden, folks from all over the world, every nation under heaven, Luke says, could understand the Galileans. There's no way to look at this story without also looking at the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis. In a myth that is meant to explain why there are different cultures and languages all over the world, the story tells us that at once upon a time, all people spoke the same language, and they lived in the same place. Until one day, they decided to build a tower that would reach to the heavens, and when they decided to build this tower that would reach to the heavens, they said, let us build a tower so that we might make a name for ourselves. When God sees what they're doing, God scatters them across the earth and gives them each a different language. When we hear this story, we might hear the human drive for power. They don't build the tower to get closer to God. Hear it again, let us build a tower so we can make a name for ourselves. It's not a pilgrimage, this tower building, it is an ego trip. And it ends in chaos and disconnection. In contrast then, when the spirit descends on Pentecost and people can hear one another in their own language, it is a clear reminder. When God is at the center, all will be restored. The chaos that is created by humans who overreach and overbuild and try and try and try to make a name for themselves will never stand the test of time. But when we let the Spirit lead, we live into an eternal kingdom that God has promised. One of the things that fascinates me about those Celtic pilgrims is the decision point. I wonder what the conversations are that led up to the moment that they eventually pushed off from the shore. I wonder about the goodbyes and the hugs and the tears, and I wonder what called to them these people who were willing to enter into their own kind of holy chaos in the hopes of finding God anew. And with that, I wonder what calls to us today. I said at the beginning that we call Pentecost the birthday of the church, but we cannot mistake this for a tame birthday celebration, carefully planned. This is a decision point. This is the point where the followers of Jesus, then and now, decide what to leave behind and what to take with them. It's the point where they abandon whatever comfortable bubble they have created by language and race and gender and class in order to live fully into God's dream. 
to set sail today and every day as we do on this pilgrimage life means being willing to enter into holy chaos. And so the question the story asks of us this morning is what are we willing to give up to make room for the work of the Holy Spirit? That I think is where we find the answer to the question we started with. What does this mean? May the reflection on those questions continue for you this week.